0: In my seventh grade year, I remember extremely feeling like there was nothing. And I was like, you know what, this is going to be the time. I'm going to do it because I'm not really needed. I don't feel welcome. What's the point? Why am I here? There's really no purpose in me being around. Real life starts
1: now. This is
0: Real Life Radio Show
1: with On I felt alone. I felt lost. I felt Scared. Real stories. I was so desperate in living such a dark and callous life. Real people. I was thinking there was no purpose for my life. There's no reason for me to be here.
0: Real problems. I told my dad if you try to take these drugs I'm gonna kill you. One solution. God. Hope is a person and his name
1: is Jesus. And now your host on leg. Hi, this is Evangelist Don Lay. Welcome to The Real Life Radio Show, where we're going to be talking to real people who had real problems, who found answers in a real God. Today, we're going to talk about the relation of feeling valued as a person and thoughts and feelings of suicide. Now, just so you know, some of these things we'll be talking about today are real and raw, and maybe too much for some to hear. But I encourage you to bear through this if suicide has greatly affected you somehow, And I believe God is going to touch you in a positive way. Some suicidal thoughts can sound like this. I have no purpose. I don't bring anything good to this earth. I should just end my life. Now, we're going to learn the roots of where suicide starts. And some wonder, how can someone kill themselves? Well, I know it doesn't make sense, but all suicides have something in common. It starts with thoughts. Thoughts, like I just said. Something called suicidal ideation, which are thoughts and ideas of wanting to kill oneself. Now we're going to have Blake Ricard on the show who grew up feeling like he had no value and he almost tried to commit suicide at a very young age. Blake, welcome to the show.
0: Hi, it's great to be here.
1: Blake, it's great having you with us. I'm really glad that we're talking about this tough subject because I know that at least 6 million people have thought about ending their lives and those are only that admit it. I understand you grew up in a fatherless home. Tell me how that impacted your young thought life.
0: You know, it was very difficult for me because there was a lot of unknown things in my life because my father was never there and I always wondered why. Mm -hmm. And there were times where I would ask my mom and she would never really give me a straight answer. It would always be like a kind of a you don't need to know type deal or something like that. So there was a big portion of my life where I struggled with knowing who I truly was because I didn't know who my dad was. So it's like, I only know half of where I came from.
1: Wow. I think there's a lot of people who can relate with that thought pattern, but I understand that your grandparents started to raise you. And since you already had this wondering of who your father was, I understand in this time, people really made fun of you a lot. You didn't have a lot of friends and you went through a difficult childhood at school. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: It's definitely very, very hard not really having anybody. All I ever wanted to do was kind of fit in, especially not knowing who I was and having that part of my life that was missing. I wanted to find something that could fill that spot and friends were really all that I could think of. And no matter how many times I tried to be myself, I tried to be somebody else, I was always made fun of or picked on. And I felt alone for a long time. And it was like, no matter what I did, it was never enough.
1: Wow, that's a lonely childhood. I understand this caused a lot of internal anguish and you sought fulfillment in alcohol and drugs. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, there was so much hurt that it had built up. And I felt like there was Nothing else left to do except turn to something that could take the pain away. It really made me feel better. And there were times where I would go to school borderline intoxicated because I would drink whatever was at my house before I went to the bus stop or I would smoke a pack of cigarettes and bury it in the yard so nobody knew because that was how I coped with everything. It made me feel like everything was going to be okay in the eyes of some people, it made me look cool.
1: Mm. That is a reason why a lot of young people find solace in alcohol and drugs, because if everyone else is doing it, why not me? But for you, it was all about finally getting that acceptance and to try to solve that pain from the inside. But mainly getting that acceptance, is that right?
0: Yeah, I was accepted. I grew up with my cousins that were kind of like my brother's. And they saw me as the younger kid that would really never be anything. I was never as cool as them, I was different. And when I started doing stuff like that with them, it made me feel like I was finally one of them, like I could fit in and really start to be as cool as they were, be part of that inner circle. And then when that transitioned in the school, there were people that I got to know that did that in my school circle. And I'm like, well, maybe if I let them know that I do the same thing, we'll start hanging out, we'll start doing these things together. It'll all be a good thing.
1: Hmm. But I understand that you soon discovered that these friends – acceptance with the drugs and stuff was somewhat shallow. And in the end, the drugs and alcohol didn't solve the fact of not being fulfilled. I understand you started thinking some different thoughts that year, specifically thoughts of killing yourself.
0: Most definitely, you know obviously, at this point, I've been struggling with the same thing for a long time. One of the big things that really played into not being accepted and being different when I was in elementary school was that my grandmother worked at the same school that I attended. so you know you kind of get outcasted for something like that. People are like, "Hi, your grandmother works here and you're such a nerd or a dork and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So when I had made it to middle school I broke free from that because she was no longer around. So there were things that I could do that she was no longer aware of, and I could go home like nothing was different. So I did everything I could to fit in and found myself in literally every crowd, whether it was the emo crowd, the punk crowd, the -the fill-in-the-blank crowd. I was always trying to be a part of it, and when it didn't work, I moved on to the next one, and eventually it just got to the point to where I felt like nothing was ever going to be good enough. And in my seventh grade year, I remember extremely feeling like there was nothing. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that I could do was keep drinking and smoking my problems away. And one day when I was left home alone, I was like, you know what? This is going to be the time. I'm going to do it because I'm not really needed here. I don't feel welcome. I don't feel like, what's the point? Why am I here? There's really no purpose in me being around if nobody wants to be around
1: me. Wow. You know, I think that some of our listeners can relate to those thoughts that were going through your mind. Did these thoughts just randomly pop into your mind?
0: I had been thinking about it because, again, it really not being accepted and everybody pushing you around. There was always that lingering thought of like, if nobody wants me to be around, then what's the point of me being around? So I had always kind of had it in the back of my mind but never really officially thought about actually doing it or attempted. It was just a thought that was there, you know?
1: Hmm. Now, I understand that after thinking about it so much, you moved into the next step, which was planning it out and thinking about attempting suicide with a knife in your hand. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: So I sat at my dining room table. There was nobody around. And I took this kitchen knife and I was going to stab it in my leg. I was ready. I was talking to myself. I'm like, you know, this is it. Nobody wants me. Nothing is ever going to come of this. There's no purpose for me here, so I might as well do it. And when I finally talked myself into it, I got super close. I would raised it. I got to my leg. And it was really crazy because I heard this voice that just told me to stop. And I'm like, what? (laughs) I had to look around. I thought I was going crazy because I was home alone. So obviously, there's nobody else in the room. And I'm like, where in the world could this voice possibly be coming from? Did somebody break into my house? (laughs) What's happening right now? And then I started to have this conversation with this voice, like the voice was telling me, you need to stop this before something goes horribly wrong. I'm like, but why? I don't get it. Why shouldn't I do this? And the voice began to tell me things that I didn't necessarily believe, but for some reason it was talking me through not doing this.
1: Wow. That is fascinating because First, you're thinking really bad thoughts towards yourself, and it was like you're being cornered by your own thoughts, and then it sounds like God came through and started talking to you. Now, let's stop there, Blake. I want to have you on our next show to break down and hear more about this experience and how it turned into a full-blown faith as a Christian. Thanks so much for being on the show.
0: You're very welcome. Thank you.
1: Hold on. I have some deep things to share with you right after the break. Listen, my friend, you are in a spiritual battle, and there's a spiritual battle right now for the soul of our nation. The Bible says we overcome the power of the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimonies. And friend, I need your help spreading this show to all 50 states all across the USA, and that takes money to broadcast in each city. You can help by being a stable monthly giver of our ministry, Awakening the Nations. We are a ministry who's committed to preaching the gospel all across the world. Partner by going to awakeninthenations.com and we believe America shall be saved. Welcome back to the show, where we're going to go deeper into what you just heard. So what do you think about this? I think that Blake reveals a common idea or thought that can eventually pass through anyone's mind, and that is, what happens if I lose my value? It seems to me that Blake was really being convinced that he has no value, no purpose. And I think there are times in our lives where we can go through situations where we can feel that way. But is it true? Let me be one to tell you, it is a lie. And no matter when or where it's always a lie you have value no matter if you lost a job you got rejected by others or you're going through a divorce you may be in prison guess what you still have value to god you may say what well how do you know when god made you he didn't just lazily make you but that he created you with such detail such accuracy it's written in ancient scriptures about how you were made." It is written in Psalms 139, 13-14, For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My friend, you are not an accident. You are not some haphazard person with no true purpose. If you exist, you have a purpose. But maybe that purpose is misguided. Maybe that purpose you feel has been lost like you don't have one. How can you change that? It is written in Romans 3:24 through 26, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. You see, it's written that Jesus redeemed you from all of your failures, your mistakes, all your sins, so that you could discover your true potential and purpose that God has for you. Have you received this redemption? Because Jesus came to redeem you. He didn't come to throw you away. And I know someone's listening right now, and maybe you feel, I don't know, a little thrown away. Maybe you feel a little outcast. Maybe you feel a little useless. Good news. Jesus will bring all of your value right up to the surface right in your life if you receive Him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. And Lord Jesus, I know that there is people right now listening under the sound of my breath who are saying, gosh, I don't know about my purpose. I don't feel like I have value. I don't feel like I have use for anybody or even you, God. But Lord, I want to be redeemed. I want my value to be brought to the surface. I want to be refined and the refiner's fire. Lord Jesus, you are the one who made us. We surrender to you, Lord, so that we would be like clay and you would be like the potter, that you would shape our lives into the destiny that you have for us, Lord. We ask for this in Jesus' mighty name. I hope you're blessed by this testimony. And I know that your life was touched. If you want to know more about us or to make a tax-deductible donation, please check
0: us out at AwakeningDonations.com. That's AwakeningDonations.com. See you next time.